don't get introduced to him, but there, there's, no, there's no hope. Everything is negative, everything is hopeless. But with Jesus, amen? Because of Jesus, hallelujah, we have, we have hope. So what I, what I wanna talk with you today about is the joy of redemption. And I don't know, that, that may seem like kind of a, a strange topic, but when you think about it, <clears throat> there are so many Christians that aren't happy. Well, maybe that's not the correct word because happiness is a fruit of the flesh. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. The joy of redemption is knowing what Jesus has truly accomplished for each and every one of us. But you know what? There's a lot of people that live in this world, but uh, they, they, they're Christian, but they don't know what belongs to them. And as a result of not knowing what belongs to them, even though they're, they're saved, even though their reservation is made in heaven, uh, life is a continual struggle. And I'm not saying that in life we don't have to endure difficult times, struggles. We go through that. We go through that. We go through that. Amen. Amen. Somebody got it. Praise the Lord. We don't, we don't sit there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, though I walk through, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. And so he's always with us. And so we can, we can experience the joy of redemption every single moment of every single day. You know, <clears throat> redemption basically is defined as being bought back. In other words, we've been bought out of bondage. We may be... <clears throat> experiencing bondage in our life today, but I want you to know that Jesus paid the price so that bondage can't hold you back. And so whatever it is the enemy is trying to throw in your path to trip you up. Um, and oftentimes we credit God for that, but he has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's the enemy trying to trip us up to bring us down to keep us from experience the abundance of what's been made available to us. And so, again, I want to talk with you today about the joy of redemption. Jesus, of course, is the one who redeemed us. And uh, through Jesus, we have such potential in our life. Through redemption, We've been bought back and through redemption, we've been set free from the curse of the law. Can I hear a praise the Lord? You've been set free from the curse. That means it's not supposed to have any more influence in our life. And so with redemption, what it means is we've been purchased out of all hatred, all evil, 
anything that's contrary to the word of God, Jesus has bought us back, so it has no right. It has no right to you and me. In Galatians 1, or excuse me, in Galatians 3, 1, Paul is talking to the church in Galatia. They've been set free through the blood of Jesus. But yet they're allowing the influences of the world, the influences of, of religion to rise up in their midst. And Paul says to them in the first verse of Galatians 3, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And oftentimes we just, we just stop there. But you know, it's important for us to read on because Paul tells us in what area they've been bewitched. And he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And what's the truth? The word. Jesus is the truth. And so anything that goes contrary to what Jesus has provided for us is no longer the truth. And the truth has come so that you and I might be set free. But you know, the church in Galatia had been given the truth. They had heard the truth, but they had begun to stray from the truth. We've been given the truth, and the truth has been given to us so that we might experience freedom. But as you know, it's not enough to just simply hear that truth. We've got to receive that truth. We've got to accept that truth. And we need to walk in that truth. In Galatians 3.13, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. I know I got a lot of them, but this one really is. For Christ has redeemed us. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every man that is a man that hangs upon the tree. Jesus received the curse upon himself. He was our substitute. He received the curse so that you and I don't have to. Hallelujah. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. I'm looking at a bunch of redeemed folk. And whether you realize it or not, you're redeemed. If you've received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now what we need to do is we need to begin to walk in that. The power of Christ removes burdens and destroys yokes. Relieves burdens, removes burdens, and destroys yokes. Those things that yoked you, those things that held on to you, They've been broken. Those burdens that you've carried in your life. Jesus is the burden bearer. Amen. The problem is we keep picking it up again. But we're to lay it on Jesus. Jesus is the one who wants to bear our burdens. Jesus bought us back for a price. He himself was our ransom from captivity. There's nothing can hold you captive any longer because of Jesus. It says he himself. That means he and nobody else was able to pay the ransom that would buy you back from bondage, 
So that bondage can no longer dominate you, no longer torment you. Through his blood, we are no longer under sin's control. We've been set free from it in Jesus' name. Well, pastor, I can't help myself. That may be true, but Jesus in you can bring you the victory in every single area of your life. There isn't anything that the enemy can do to hold you down because of what Jesus did to bring you up. And so it's through his blood and through his blood alone. Redemption means to repurchase, get or win back, free from what distresses us, or to change for the better. You know, in Christ Jesus, it's changed for the better when we put our confidence, our trust in him. It also means to release from blame or debt or to exchange for something of value. You exchange your sin, which was worthless, for something of value, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what redemption worked. That's what redemption, redemption accomplished for you and I. In the Old Testament, people could only hear from God through the priests. But you know what? Under the new covenant, we have the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us. And each and every one of us, we no longer have to go to a priest so that we can hear from God. We hear from God for ourselves because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, speaking to us, wanting to reveal to us those things that are unknown to us. We get our guidance. We get our direction from the Holy Spirit. Can I hear a praise the Lord? Aren't you glad that you don't have to come running to the church office? Oh, pastor, we need to hear from God. Thank God you can sit in your living room and hear from God. And he can show you where he wants you to go and what he wants to accomplish in your life. Let me read Galatians 3.13 again, but I want to read it from the Amplified. It says, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law, and his condemnation by himself, becoming a curse for us, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree is crucified. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law so that we can walk in the blessings of God. Now think about this. When Jesus, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't lead them out of Egypt so that they could wander in a wilderness. He led them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land. But because of doubt and unbelief, for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. But it was never the will of God for them to wander in the wilderness. He brought them out to take them in. God didn't bring you out of a curse so that you could wander in the wilderness. He brought you out of the curse so that you could enter into the blessing. 
But you know what? We're like the children of Israel oftentimes. We don't know what's been made available to us. We don't know what belongs to us. And so what do we do? It's as if we're still in bondage because we don't know what's been made available to us through Christ Jesus. I want us to know. I want to know what Jesus has truly done for us, what he's done for us. He's given back the authority that man received in the garden when God created man. Listen to this in Ephesians 1.3. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has. Now I know I'm from Minnesota. We play great baseball up there. Because the Gophers won yesterday and the Twins won yesterday. Education may not be that great. But I know that has is past tense. Amen. And if it's past tense, it means it's already been done. And so listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every, how many? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. In other words, you're not lacking anything. Not a single thing. Why? Because everything that you need is in Christ. And everything that is in Christ is in you. Because he's blessed you with every spiritual Blessing. Woo, glory to God. We could just say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord and go home and be satisfied, but we're not. That's the God we serve. He's so good. He blessed us. Every man, woman, and child, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to the book of beginnings and, and let's look at what he did in Genesis, the first chapter. And let's look at verse 27. Genesis 1, 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, God created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. You and I, male and female, are to have dominion over this earth that we live in. But what do we see taking place around us? Oftentimes this creation dictates to us. It has dominion over us rather than the other way around. We're to have dominion. Whatever it is that tries to bring you into bondage, you have dominion over it through Christ Jesus, male and female. <clears throat> you know, 
Just a thought. If I were a woman, I would want to be a Christian. Because Christianity is the only, I don't even like to call it a religion, but it's the only religion that gives man and woman, male and female, equal rights in the kingdom of God. My wife has as much spiritual authority as I do. Why? Because of the works of Jesus. My wife is just as redeemed as I am. Why? Because of the works of Jesus Christ. My wife can accomplish as much as I can. Why? Because of the works of Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. And that's the message that we have. There is no prejudice in the kingdom of God. We are equal in the kingdom of God. And that means within our equality, we are equal to follow after Jesus, to hear, hear Jesus, to be free of whatever would bring bondage into our lives. Let's turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, the first chapter and the third verse. verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, uh, uh, begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Through his resurrection, we have a living hope. A hope for what? A hope to be free, a hope to be whole, a hope to experience all the spiritual blessings that have been made available to us through Christ Jesus. The hope that nothing is going to weigh me down and hold me down because of what Jesus has done for me. You know what the law did? It brought this lingering shame. It went all the way back to Adam and Eve. But you know what? We've been, we've been set free from it through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're no longer under the curse of the law. We're no longer under that, that shame of not achieving. We've been set free from that because Jesus has done it all. We have value because of what Jesus did in our life. You and I, we are valuable. And when we look at one another, we ought to look at one another and see someone that is valuable because of what Jesus did. God holds us at such a position of value. You know, in, in the book of Psalms, Psalms 8, it talks about how valuable we are in the eyes of God. You know, because the problem is, is oftentimes we see ourselves as not having any value. We see ourselves as worthless. And as a result of that, we open the door for shame. We open the door for guilt. We open the door for condemnation. But when we begin to realize how valuable we are, 
we begin to hold our head up high. We no longer hold our, allow our head to be down in shame because we know how valuable we are. You know, <clears throat> there, there's something about it. When you know that you hold value in the eyes of somebody else, it just, it just does something. You know, I like, I like people to like me. You know, we, we talk about, you know, uh, teen peer pressure and so forth. Well, you don't ever outgrow it. You know, because I'm going to be 70 years old and I still, I still want people to like me. And you know, even if other people value me, you know, for Pastor Becky to value me, that, that outweighs everything because of the significance that she carries in my life. And so when you realize, because hopefully God carries great significance in your life, that would have been a great opportunity for an amen right there. Hopefully God carries great influence in your life. And, and so when God values you, it means something very important, something very significant. Listen to this. In Psalms 8, verse 4. And the psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. And so he's talking about God. He's talking about when I think about your creation and I think about all that you've done, what is man? Or we could say, what am I that you are mindful of him, of me? Or the son of man that you visit him? What is man that, that you spend time with, that you want to be around us? For you've made him, who? Man. A little lower than the angels. And you have crowned, who? Man. With glory and honor. Think about this. You have been crowned with glory and honor by God. Because he values you. You know, this, I don't like this translation because it says, for you have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Well, the word for angels is angelos. The word that's used here is the word Elohim, which is a word for God. And so what God is saying, I've created you just a little lower than myself. Now, don't misunderstand. You're not God. Some of you may think you are, but you're not. We're created just a little lower than God. Why? So that he can have fellowship with you and me. So that we can have Harmony with one another. This is, this is the God that we, we serve. And so, we've been set free. We've been redeemed 
from the curse. Turn over to Deuteronomy 28. You know, sometimes you need to just read through Deuteronomy 28 and get past the first 14 verses so that you can be thankful that you live where you live right now under the new covenant. But in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 23, it says, And your heavens, which are over our head, shall be bronze, and the earth earth which is under you shall be iron. The Lord will will change the rain of of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Isn't that edifying? But listen, this is what I want you to see. There was a cloud. There was a separation. There was a block between between you and me and God under the old covenant. We could not have fellowship with him. We could not have access to him. We see it even when the temple was, was built that there was the holiest of holies and there was a, a curtain that was huge that was, was placed there and, and only the, the high priest was able to go, go behind that, that curtain to make sacrifice. And when he did, they tied a rope around his ankle because if he had any fault, he'd keel over dead. And it was the only way they could drag him out was by the rope that was tied around his ankle. And so there was, this, there was this fear of God. I'm not talking about awe. I'm talking about fear of God. And there was no access to God. And Jesus died on the cross. And when he declared, it is finished, it says the veil in the temple was tore from top to bottom. It was thick. It was tore from top to bottom to represent there is no longer any separation between us and God. That Jesus restored that harmony through his redemption so that we can now come into the presence of Almighty God. What a God we serve. And that God that we serve wants to have fellowship with you and me. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the 15th verse, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, is talking about Jesus, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Whatever you're going through, you can go through it victoriously. Why? Because Jesus did. Everything that's coming against you, trying to get you to give up, trying to get you to say this doesn't work, that's trying to get you to just throw in the towel, towel. Every one of those temptations, Jesus went through. But he didn't go through it for himself. He went through it for you and me to demonstrate and show us that we're not going through it alone. It's not an impossibility. We can go through it and we can be victorious 
in all of it. Sometimes there's issues that we deal with in life that seem to be so big. We wonder, how can I ever overcome this? How can I ever make it through this? But you know what? Jesus told us something very important. And in Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 28th verse, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, that you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, being a Christian is such a heavy burden. Well, then Jesus lied. Because he said his burden was light. Why does it seem like such a heavy burden? Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. You know, Bill and I were talking about it before church about moving block and stuff around. And, and uh, you know, these blocks that we put out here around the church, you know, they're about uh, seven, 70 pounds a block, something like that. <clears throat> you know, I was good for two or three, and then I was shot for a day and a half. That might be a little bit of preaching there, a little exaggeration. But you know what? I, I found something out. You know, <clears throat> I don't have the endurance that I used to have. And so I, I, I find that, you know, my day off is on Thursday. And so a lot of times on Thursday, I try to get a lot of stuff done. And then on Friday morning, we have our elders meeting. And, <clears throat> and I literally roll out of bed. That's because I can't sit up. <laughs> because I'm so sore from the day before. But why is that? Because I was doing it all in my own strength. But you know, spiritually speaking, oftentimes we do that. We labor, we work so hard, and then, then we wonder why we have to roll out of bed. Why can't I just sit up anymore? Because you're doing it in your own strength. You're trying to do it in your own ability rather than leaning on Jesus. Lean on me. We need to lean on Jesus. We need to be yoked to Jesus. But you know what? I'm capable of handling it myself. Yeah, you are. And then you're going to receive your own reward. He says, my Yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Listen to this out of Hebrews 4.16. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified as well. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriated help and well-timed help coming 
just when we need it. Remember Jerry Seville saying this years back, he said, you know, there's one thing about God. He's never late, but seldom early. You may sometimes feel like it's too late, it's not too late. So on his schedule, and you're going to receive that need, whatever it is, being met, right when it needs to be met. God wants a relationship with us, and he accepts us unconditionally. We put conditions oftentimes on our relationships, but God doesn't. He accepts us just the way we are. And so here when it's talking about that we can approach his throne of grace to receive help in our time of need, that isn't based upon the fact that I've spent the last hour and a half in prayer trying to get right with God so that I could come into his presence. We're to have an understanding of something. Because of the completed works of Jesus, I have harmony, I have relationship with Almighty God. And that means when I enter into a time of need, I can approach Him. But let me tell you something. It isn't our actions that hinder God. It's our actions that hinder us. Because when I've screwed up, when I've done something I know that I shouldn't be doing, it's difficult to come to God with boldness with confidence. We see that in our personal lives. When we've done something stupid towards another person, it's difficult to approach that individual. Because guess what? We don't love one another unconditionally. We love one another oftentimes because of the conditions. But that's how, how God views us. And so in our relationship with God, we're to be able to approach Him with confidence knowing that he's not going to say no. Knowing that through us, his promises, every single one of them is yes and amen. In Ephesians 1, 6, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. It isn't our actions that made us accepted in the beloved. It's Jesus' actions. It's Jesus when he died on that cross, when he was buried in that tomb, when he was raised from the dead for our justification, when he sat down at the right hand of Father God to make intercession for you and I. That's our justification to come into his presence with boldness, with confidence. It's not our actions. We are free from emotional bondage. We're free from curses on our families. We're free from defeat because of Jesus, because of what he did for us. Going back to Deuteronomy 28 once again. Just want to edify you a little more. Deuteronomy 28, verse 32. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to other people. 
and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hand. A nation whom you do not know shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor. And you shall be only oppressed and crushed continuously. Dropping down to 41. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. This is the curse. But guess what? We've been set free from it. We look around with our eyes. And what do we see? When we look around with our eyes in the natural, we see defeat. We see destruction. We see hopelessness. But when we realize what Jesus has done for us, and we look around through the eyes of the Spirit, we see hope. We see victory. We see overcoming because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. We have been redeemed from the curse of the unsaved household. And oftentimes we look around and we see those around us and we say it's hopeless. There's nothing that can be done. But you know what? We don't ever have to lose hope. Because there's always hope in Jesus. We're redeemed from a cursed, lost household in Jesus' name. And so, what does that require of us? We stay in faith. We trust Jesus. We trust his word. We speak his word. Acts 16, verse 31, out of the Amplified, it says, because they said, what, what, what must we do to be saved? And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself to him. Take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping. And you will be saved. And this applies both to you and your household as well. This applies to you and your household as well. We need to believe right and get rid of the negative, hopeless thinking because that's what the world continually tells us. Deuteronomy 28, 34, it says, Though that you may drive, that you may be driven mad by the sights which your eyes shall see. This world is going mad. It's not because they're looking into the realm of the spirit. It's because they're looking into the natural. We see in the scriptures where there were people that were mad, they were possessed by the devil. But you know what? I don't think the devil even has to try anymore. There is so much evil, there is so much wickedness, there is so much lying and deception in this world. The lie and deception that because somebody treats you mean, you can go out and shoot somebody. You can call it whatever you want. It's of the devil. Well, they were mistreated. Well, the mistreatment was of the devil, yes. But those actions are a result of fixing your eyes on the circumstances around you 
And what happens is you begin to justify your own stupidity. And we all do that on different levels. We look at this world around us and we see how everything is falling apart and we begin to justify our actions rather than trusting in and leaning upon Jesus because that's where our hope is. That's where our victory is. Because, you know, the enemy is out there and he wants to, he wants to sift you. The Bible talks about it as being sifting as wheat. He wants to sift you to bring destruction into your life. Listen to what Jesus said to, to Peter in Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as, he, as wheat. But I have prayed for you. This is what he prayed. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Of course, this is before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And what Peter is saying to him, he's saying, the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. And he wants to pull you away. He wants to destroy your faith. But he says, I'm praying for you. Jesus says, I'm praying for you that your faith will not fail you. But guess what? Even though Jesus prayed for Peter, to a degree it failed him. Because he denied him three times. But yet it was still alive with him because when Peter realized what he had done, what did he do? What did he do? He went out and he wept bitterly. And when the disciples, after Jesus was raised from the dead, they came to, to Peter and, and they said, the Lord has called for you and Peter. What did he do? He repented and he turned back to Jesus. And Peter became one of his strongest mouthpieces. Well, you know what? Even as a born again Christian, the enemy wants to, to sift us. But guess what? Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God, making intercession for you and I. But guess what? His prayer is not that you won't ever have to go through anything. His prayer is that your faith will not fail you. That means whatever you go through, you go through and you come out on the other side victorious and stronger than what you could have ever imagined. And so what does that mean? That means when you're in the midst of the trial, the test, the difficulty, you turn to Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus and you say, I can't make it without you, I need you. You repent, you turn from looking at the circumstances around you and you get your eyes back on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Because you know what? He'll never leave you. He'll never let you down. Oftentimes we feel like, I, I think Jesus has let me down. That's because you're looking at the circumstances. You're not looking at him. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may be able to observe to do all that is written in it. For then, when, after you've meditated on the word of God so that you can observe to do what's written in it, for then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. That's his will for each and every one of us that we might have good success. Under the curse, people were full of fear and they experienced emotional bondage. In Mark, the fifth chapter, we don't have time to read it all, but it talks about the man that was demon-possessed. Emotional, spiritually, in every way of his life, he was oppressed. And Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus set him free. You know, I, I read that the other day, and I, it just still totally amazes me. Here's this guy that was demon-possessed. Jesus comes along. He totally sets him free. He's sitting there in clothing where he had been naked before of his right mind. And they ask Jesus to leave town. Pretty much describes where we are today. The only hope there is for this world is Jesus. And they want Jesus to leave town. He's the way. He's the hope. In, first, in 2 Timothy 1.7, again, I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and failing fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm, well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Where does that come from? It comes from the Word of God. That's the Spirit that resides on the inside of us. That's the Holy Spirit that lives within you and me. Remember earlier, we read from, from Genesis, the first chapter, and I read verse 26, and it says, then the Lord said, let us make man in his image according to his likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then we drop down to verse 28 and he says, then God blessed them. God blessed you. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. That's the command that's been given to you and I, that we have dominion. The mind of Christ enables us to think like him and live victoriously. You will never live the victorious life until you begin to think like Christ. Well, pastor, I don't know if that's possible. Well, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you. Let implies a condition. Let implies that you have to allow it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
And so we're, have, we're to have the same mind as Christ. We're to think like Jesus, a mind of humility, a mind of self-control, a mindset that puts others first before their own selfish interests, the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, verse 4. Again, I'm reading this out of the Amplified. It says, Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interest, but also each for the interest of others. Let this same attitude and purpose, a humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being esteemed one with God, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the abilities which makes God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be easily grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and, front and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in, in human form, he abused and humbled himself still further, carried his obedience to the extent of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, 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 because he stooped so low, he has God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name. And guess what's been given to you and I? The privilege, the right, the authority to use the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, the name Yeshua. That's the name above every name. Deuteronomy 28, 66 and 67 says, your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And at evening you shall say, oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eye sees. You are redeemed from that. But how often do we hear Christians who can't wait till night because of fear of the day and then can't wait till the day because of fear of the night. That is not to be part of who you and I are 
Because according to Galatians 3.13, you and I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of not living every day and sleeping every night. We've been redeemed from the fear that torments, that holds this world in bondage and check. It's through Jesus. But you know what? If we look at the world, we see what the world sees. And we'll experience in our soul what the world experiences. But there's no longer any need for that. Because of Jesus. One last passage. And let's get it right from the Savior's mouth. I was going to say from the horse's mouth, but I didn't think that was appropriate. He may be riding on a white horse, but they're separate. And so right from the Savior's mouth in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's a question. Yes, is the answer. Which of you, by worry, can add one cubit to your stature? You can't. Because worry is the most unproductive Um. What's the word that I want? Activity that you can be involved in. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek, seek Gentiles, unbelievers, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. Number one priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own troubles. Don't get caught up in worrying about tomorrow. Just keep your faith 
today. Keep your focus today. Look at it, to Jesus today. But so often we look at the circumstances and we say, what am I going to do tomorrow? Trust Jesus today. Today has enough. Live today. So many don't live today because they're worried about tomorrow. I've made this statement. I'm going to live till I die. But that means I'm going to have to live it one day at a time. If I worry about tomorrow or next week or the week after or next year, the worry is going to kill me. Today has enough. And so I'm going to stay in faith today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stay in faith today. And then when tomorrow comes, Stay in faith tomorrow. And when the tomorrow comes, stay in faith in that day. And when the following day comes, stay in faith in that day. Never forget. Had an individual, went for a road trip with him, and we were driving along, and once he looked over me and he says, Pastor, I've finally arrived. I said, well, praise the Lord. What do you mean? He says, I've come to the realization I'm ready to die for Jesus. And I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, I hope I am. But I'll never know for sure until the opportunity raises itself. And I'm not believing for that. But you know what? Today, I'll die for Jesus. Tomorrow, I'm going to stand in faith and be ready to die for Jesus. But for me to say that whenever it comes, I'm going to die for Jesus, that one day at a time, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Amen. One day at a time. We stay in faith. We follow him. We believe him. You're free today. Well, I don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today, you're free. Today, you're whole. Today, you live victoriously. Today, today is your day of salvation. And you know what? Tomorrow will be another day of salvation. And the day after that will be another day of salvation. I'm not talking about getting born again, again, and again, and again. Because salvation is in all-inclusive terms. It includes everything that belongs to you tomorrow. Everything that I need for a victorious, successful life will be mine through Christ Jesus. Well, stand up on your feet and declare it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for life and life abundantly. We thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that we are healed, we are delivered, we are free from all bondage of every form or shape. And it's through you, Lord Jesus, 
And so we thank you for setting us free. We thank you for the victory that is ours. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we give you praise and glory and honor. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over depression. And I say you have no authority in these saints of God, for they have been set free from it in Jesus' name. No oppression, no bondage in Jesus' name. Discouragement, you must go in Jesus' name because we don't put our trust in ourselves. We put our trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our victory. He is our all in all. And we trust him completely. And so, Father, we thank you for the joy of our salvation. We thank you for the privilege of gathering in that name that you've given us the right to, the name of Jesus. And now, Father, as we go into this community, use us as vessels to further your kingdom. Your glory is upon us. And Father, I pray that we might walk in that, that we'd not leave it behind, but that we would walk in it and that those around us would see, would see your life manifest through our life. Father, use us for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And Father, as we go, I ask your blessing upon these, your saints. Father, I pray that you would bless them abundantly above and beyond what they could ever think, dream, or imagine. Father, that the victory would be evident and that it might manifest in every area of their life. And Father, I ask it in the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, Jesus, and in the name of our precious Holy Spirit. Father, that we might walk in that victory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Give one another a hug. Let them know you love them. Have a great week. <laughs>